This is the Dr. Tim Murphy Show, where you will learn how to tear down the mental barriers to success and health and build up a stronger you. In these podcasts, Dr. Tim Murphy offers you the tools for recovery and surviving and thriving after trauma. There is a pathway to healing, and he does this through faith and psychology. Dr. Tim Murphy, bringing healing to your heart, your mind, and your spirit. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. Welcome. June is PTSD Awareness Month, but let's not make it worse. Post-traumatic stress disorder. These words, along with their abbreviation, PTSD, have become all too common in today's world. We often associate PTSD with something that happens in careers that can be dangerous, like with soldiers or police. But it really can happen to any of us who are hit with a major traumatic event. That is key, by the way. There has to be a major traumatic event. Beyond that initial hit, many don't realize how the effects of the trauma are multiplied by fear and prejudice against people with PTSD. Here, the enemy is not in a faraway country or in a dark back alley. The attacks are coming from right here at home, where we least expect it, and those attacks make it worse. Unfortunately, the public is grossly misinformed about PTSD, probably because they've seen too many movies that portray veterans as unstable, or the news reports of mass shooters who are veterans. Here are a couple examples of movies. The Deer Hunter. In Vietnam, three men were prisoners of war. The movie shows their intense struggles after the war with depression, addiction, and replaying their deadly game of Russian roulette that the North Vietnamese captors made them play. The Hurt Locker. Explosive Ordnance Disposal Technician Sergeant James is the star of this movie. His war days are filled with a stream of life-or-death moments as he dismantles bombs in Iraq. It leads him to take risks that can imperil the lives of others, too. American Sniper. This is a true story about Chris Kyle, the deadliest U.S. military sniper credited with 160 documented kills. He struggled with moods coming home, but he recovered well. However, Kyle and his friend Chad Littlefield were mentoring another veteran by taking him to a shooting range when that veteran shot and killed both Kyle and Littlefield. And then there's Rambo. This movie is all about his tendency towards violence from his Vietnam War experiences. PTSD itself is a term that came out of the Vietnam era. Earlier wars coined terms like shell shock, gas hysteria, and old sergeant's syndrome. Shell shock was a term originated in World War I by soldiers themselves who endured constant intensive shelling of high explosives in the trench warfare. Smithsonian Magazine described what it was like. They said, A battery of mobile 75-millimeter field guns, the pride of the French army, could, for example, sweep 10 acres of terrain 435 yards deep in less than 50 seconds. 432,000 shells had been fired in a five-day period of the September engagement on the Marne in France. The symptoms include extreme fear, tremors, trouble reasoning, walking or talking. The doctors came to distinguish between those who likely had a traumatic brain injury from the blasts, the intense repeated blasts, 
from others for whom no blast could be identified, but they all shared similar symptoms. In World War II, a 1943 news report said General George Patton slapped and berated two U.S. soldiers as cowards who were being treated for what was called combat fatigue. Some still wonder if PTSD is a coward's illness, but generally, those are people who never faced the trauma of war firsthand. We now know that everyone has a breaking point. After intense or prolonged battles, combat stress is common in soldiers. It results from being worn down by being on a constant hyper alert, loss of sleep, and facing hours, days, and weeks of threats to life and limb. When they are exhausted, not thinking clearly, and showing signs of fear, they are normal, not cowards. No doubt, people come back from war, combat changed. The innocence of youth is left behind. But that does not mean all veterans are changed for the worse. There is another group that has impacted the public perception of PTSD, mass shooters. Three of the 10 deadliest shootings in U.S. history were by veterans. A Marine veteran killed 12 people in Thousand Oaks, California in 2018. Another shooter who was a veteran killed 26 in 2017 in Sutherland Springs, Texas. And in 1991, 23 were killed at Luby's Cafeteria in California. Then there was the Washington Navy Yard shooting in 2012, in which 12 were killed. But the vast majority of mass shooters were not veterans. Although the perpetrators of mass shootings often grow up in troubled homes, that doesn't make all those with troubled childhoods violent. Most people who grow up in troubled homes, like most veterans, go on till they raise families, go to work, contribute to their communities, often in ways stronger, faster, better, and smarter because of what experience has taught them. It is a false narrative that those with PTSD are dangerous or broken beyond repair. Yet there is a fearful prejudice of those ignorant of the truth that adds another layer of hurt. Many veterans and first responders will tell you painful stories of the prejudice they face from a public that thinks people with PTSD can violently snap at any moment. One program I work with is simply trying to start a rural farm for veterans and first responders healing from PTSD. They will plant crops, ride horses, train service dogs, have a carpentry shop, and sponsor programs for veterans to get together with hikes and small group campouts. Some of the local citizens are protesting, literally saying they fear for their children's lives. They even referred to the veterans as monsters and spread rumors of panic in the community, claiming these veterans may lash out and attack other people if startled while walking in the woods. Imagine the feelings of those who face the gunfire of the enemy in war, who risked their lives, who saw their friends killed, to then come home and hear their neighbors call them monsters, even at public meetings. Sadly, the local elected officials at a public hearing about the veteran's farm sat in silence while the citizens hurled their insulting false comments, never correcting the angry citizens who sowed these seeds of disdain. The pain felt by every veteran in the room was not obvious. They are used to holding in their feelings. But later in private, they told me how much it hurt. But they do not, and they will not lash out. They react calmly and are determined to change people's minds by demonstrating a good example. The stigma is reminiscent of what soldiers returning from Vietnam faced. 
They, too, were called monsters and spit upon. Few public officials spoke up in their defense. Many Vietnam veterans still feel the wounds of that hatred when they returned. Then there are the traumas faced by police. Police still face the risk of death and injury daily. Not just gunfire, but attacks from an assailant, getting caught up in a volatile domestic argument, or being hit by a speeding, distracted driver while they pull over a drunk driver on the highway. A veteran who served in the Army for 20 years and a police officer for another 20 years told me the worst thing he experienced was not the felons or combat. It was carrying a dead child out of a home who was killed by neglect and abusive parents. I cannot unsee what I have seen, he says. He has seen the effect of monsters, but it has made him a kind, compassionate, and patient man. He is no monster. Add to this the current public prejudice against our police, the jeers, the insults, the taunting, and the violent attacks by people even when the police are trying to protect the public. And then there are the elected officials who want to defund them, who refuse to have the backs of those meant to watch our backs. Abandonment and betrayal are major causes of trauma. Police face a host of other physical and psychological outcomes that are not PTSD, but are attributable in part to the high day-to-day stress they are under. For example, 80% of police officers are overweight and are 25 times more likely to die from weight-related disorders than fighting crime. By the way, weight increases are associated with being under prolonged stress. The average lifespan of a police officer is 57. That's 22 years less than the general population. They also have increased risk for Hodgkin's lymphoma, cancers of the esophagus, colon, respiratory system, and leukemia. Their suicide rates are 54% higher than the general population. They have marital problems and divorce rates of 60 to 70% compared with 50% in the general population and they have higher rates of depression, anxiety, and alcohol addiction disorders. What is extremely important to note is that police develop these problems because, to a large extent, they are taking risks to protect us. The soldier fights thousands of miles away. They return home, and the battle is over. For police, they risk a type of combat every day. We want them to respond to the 911 call when there is a threat. That alone should mean we give them support, not criticism, when they are trying to get on with the healing in their own lives. Firefighters and paramedics are also on the list of those frequently impacted by post-traumatic stress. The accident victims, the charred bodies, the choking child they could not save on time. They tell me, the worst day of your life is every day for me. No wonder they have nightmares but they are not monsters. And here is a humbling fact for all of us. Any of us can be there. Trauma can be a severe auto accident, kidnapping, a violent assault, the shock of the life-threatening diagnosis, the death of a child or partner, a murder attempt, an abusive relationship, a natural disaster like a flood, hurricane, earthquake, tornado, or fire. It can also come from war, looting, or riots. 
An estimated 70% of adults in the United States will experience a traumatic event in their lifetime, directly or as an eyewitness, or it can be a close family member or friend. Not everyone is affected by trauma in the same way, and almost everyone will have some temporary distress. Most get better. For some, it's harder to shake the symptoms. Up to 20% of these go on to develop symptoms of post-traumatic stress, lasting weeks such as anxiety attacks, startle reactions, sleep problems, irritability, and avoiding things that remind them of the traumatic event. With time and talking with friends or a counselor, most people can work through it. Between 10 to 15% of those who have post-traumatic stress reaction, their symptoms will linger and develop post-traumatic stress disorder. They may repeatedly think of the traumatic event, stuck in a nightmare many, many times each day with vivid flashback memories. If these people were all monsters, we would see violence everywhere, every day. Approximately one in nine women will get PTSD, in most cases from an assault. Women are approximately twice as likely as men to develop the disorder. At any given time, an estimated 5% of Americans will have PTSD symptoms. In the general population, 8.7% of all adults will develop PTSD during their lifetime. That's one in 13 people in the United States, more than 13 million people. Typically, people struggling with PTSD avoid places or situations that remind them of the trauma, even though those places are now safe. They often isolate, are quiet, and don't want to talk about their struggles. They report feeling like they are in a mental fog. They can feel disconnected in friendships and in their families. But you know what? Severe stress can do that to all of us. Many have trouble falling or staying asleep. Police report common nightmares where they are being shot at and their own gun does not work. Traumatized parents report nightmares where they cannot find their crying child. A veteran may dream they freeze when attacked and cannot fight back. A driver who had a bad accident may dream of being in a car with the brakes failing. When there has been a fatality or severe injury, part of their symptoms is a survivor's guilt that they lived and the others died. But the fears don't just happen at nights. A woman with a history of assault may freeze up when in a crowded room or a dark parking lot. The smell of a hamburger on the grill may provoke anxiety in the firefighter who has smelled burning flesh in a fire. The nightmare and reactions are all normal reactions to an abnormal situation. But PTSD is not a fatal diagnosis nor a criminal sentence. There is much hope for their healing. These are good men and women who want to get better, who are valuable parts of every community. They are not monsters. They are my friends in the deepest sense of the word. To be aware of PTSD is not just to know it exists, but to know how you should act around someone who is trying to heal. These are referred to as the principles of trauma-informed care and are very important when working with someone. It could be a friend, a relative, a coworker, a stranger, or a hospital patient who has symptoms of PTSD. The five principles of trauma-informed care are, one, safety. Have an environment where people feel physically and psychologically safe. Two, choice. 
Allow people to have choices in their care whenever possible rather than demand, order, or threaten. Three, collaboration. Allow people to collaborate in any decision that affects them, such as medical treatment or housing. Four, trustworthiness. Always act in a way that maintains trust with the other person. Even when a decision was previously made that has to be changed, discuss it honestly with others. Let them know the facts have changed that affect the previous decision. Don't keep secrets even when the truth may be an unwelcome surprise. Five, empowerment. Especially for someone in treatment for PTSD, this part of care encourages people to build on their existing strengths, hope, and resilience. This includes respect for the religion and faith of the other. In today's woke world, there is often a disrespect for the religion of others, which is their source of hope. However, it is ridiculed and mocked, often with no one speaking up in their defense. For example, the Los Angeles Dodgers recently hosted an event that featured a group of men dressed as Catholic nuns calling themselves the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence with individual names I cannot even repeat here that were clearly degrading to those of the Catholic faith and insulting against all people of faith. Neither the Dodgers' management nor the media spoke up in defense of the attacks. Still, that which is not forbidden encourages others to act with prejudice and disdain. A few courageous players, however, did speak out in opposition to the display. Faith is a significant source of healing for those with PTSD. They need to be supported and empowered by respect for their faith, not sabotage for the sake of someone's entertainment. When ignorance and stigma are added to the mix by misinformed members of the community, co-workers, and employers, problems are exacerbated by a prejudiced public. During PTSD Awareness Month, we would all do well to understand what PTSD is and what it is not. At the very least, please don't make it worse. Show respect and kindness like you should show with anybody. And understand that with care, we can all get better. Thank you for listening. Please sign up to get updates on my future podcasts and share them with your friends and family. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions for future podcasts or blogs, please send them to me through my website, drtimmurphy.com. I'd love to hear from you. You can find more information about trauma in my book, The Christ Cure, 10 Biblical Ways to Heal from Trauma, Tragedy, and PTSD, available through my website or wherever books are sold. I'm Dr. Tim Murphy. I look forward to speaking with you next time. Stay strong.